Welcome to Critters. Building a network for those who hate networking, part one. The questions this cast answers are, how do I build a network when I hate networking? Why are relationships so important? And how do I build relationships when it's not natural for me? This networking guidance or building a network guidance is for all of the people who are rational, logical, task-focused, introverted, relationship misanthropes, all the people who don't understand why having relationships with people is so important, the people who don't want to go to the bar at the end of the day, the people who don't want to go to play softball with their team, um, the, the people who go to conferences and don't talk to anybody. This is what, who we have in mind when we when we wrote this guidance. And the guidance is derived in part from the book Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Um, Mark and I both read it. I took a huge number of notes. And then we distilled it down into something that was actionable and uh, appropriate to the people that we know are listening. And we also wanted to make it something for the people that find this stuff difficult. And you're not alone. Half the population doesn't like other people, including mm-hmm. me. And, you know, all the people that for whom this comes naturally, don't stop listening. <laughs> because one, we might tell you something that you didn't know, or we might explain some of your behaviors that you do naturally. We might explain those in a different way, in, in a way that will help you explain your success to other people. Because this isn't just about you. It is about you. But if you work in a team, there's other people in your team who feel this way and could help, could benefit from your advice. And often when people are naturally skilled at something, it's hard for them to describe what it is exactly they do. So I think listening to this will be helpful to you guys too and help you help other people. So give us our outline, Sarah. All right. Our outline for today is first um, the rules for relationships. Then we're going to say we're going to talk rules one through five. Rule one um, being be generous and accept generosity. Rule two, be where the people are. Rule number three, use your strengths. Rule number four, use your network. And rule number five, practice etiquette. Nothing like a set of rules. (laughs) I know, right? Well, we need to start by, by talking about the rules for relationships because there's those individuals, like we're saying, that don't believe relationships are important. The people that complain about uh, schmoozing and politicking and those individuals also tend to be the individuals that like rules. They like solid lines. They like process and procedure and do this and you'll get this. They like things to be clearer. And if you do one thing, you'll get this outcome. For example, I, I pay you this money and you give me what I deserve. Right. So those individuals we're talking to. I got to an airport somewhere. I was going on vacation with one of my friends who's a patent lawyer, which tells you how much she likes rules. It was one of those airports that's, you know, open to the sky. It was it was a real small airport, but there were quite a lot of people got off the plane and we're sort of all milling around. And my friend was so mad. She said, there's a sign. It clearly says, get in line. And everybody should be this side of that line. And they should be in order. Why Why are people doing that? That's not right. And she was so mad. Um, and it just made us laugh because it wasn't the kind of place where neat lines were going to happen. But there was a rule. 
and she wanted to follow it. She's absolutely one of these people. Absolutely. There are, though, on the other hand, the people that believe relationships are important, which is something we say all the time, right? Relationships mm-hmm. are important. The ones who enjoy um, working with people, who enjoy schmoozing and politicking, who are more comfortable with the gray that exists in this world. And they know that there are rules for relationships. That is, they may not be able to, as you mentioned earlier, Wendy, clearly define or talk about what they are, but as funny or fuzzy, my apologies, concepts, they exist in their brains. So the two groups are not the same. That's confusing, isn't it, right? Because there's one group who really likes rules, but doesn't believe relationships are important or or comprehensible. And there's the other group who are really into relationships and know that there are rules for relationships. So why don't why don't they be nice and cross the road and tell the other group, hey, there are rules for relationships and you can learn them and you can have the relationships I do. And Mark and I discussed this for a long time when we were creating this cast. And what we decided was that if you don't believe that relationships are important or if you believe that other things are more important to your success, then you don't investigate that stuff. You don't read books about relationships. You don't watch people to see how they're developing their relationships. You don't ask questions of the people that have really good relationships. And so you never discover that there are rules that you can understand and you can follow and then have that success. And if you are one of those people then you're missing out on something huge. And so in this cast, we're going to tell you what those rules are. So you have to, it's so you can skip the investigation phase. Yeah, exactly. We're also going to skip convincing you that you ought to have better relationships. Sometimes I say this oftentimes at conferences when we're talking, I'm like, you're right. You shouldn't have to put forth effort to have better relationships. You are correct in making that statement. It doesn't change the fact that investing in relationships will be better and make you more effective. If you want to be more effective, then have better relationships. That's really what this is about. So at a high level, what we're really talking about here is the fact that you don't need to be extroverted or personable. One of those naturally born sociable individuals and have those attributes in order to know the rules and follow the rules of relationships. If, for example, if you watch any interview with um, the actor Kevin Bacon, You'll immediately recognize him as a high C, a high C in DISC, um, which many of you will know. That is, he's soft-spoken, speaks more slowly, uh, makes less eye contact. Um, His face is uh, stoic in its look. That is, changes very little, um, makes very small, if at all, hand gestures, movements with his hands or arms. Um, And at the same time, Knowing that Kevin Bacon isn't a naturally born sociable human being, and we're all pretty much aware of the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, that is, um, no matter what actor you can come up with and name, you can link her or him to Kevin Bacon in less than six steps. He's built his career on knowing people and being connected to others and uh, creating relationships where they might not naturally exist. And he's nowhere near the kind of salesperson extrovert that you'd think an individual um, ought to be in order to be successful at relationships. And yet, here we are. He is. 
through effort. It's bizarre. And if you're a mathematician or, or you read things about maths, um, you may have also heard the same game being played with uh, the mathematician Paul Erdosh. He's another high C, and yet he collaborated with an astounding number of other scientists, not even other mathematicians, but other scientists during his career. And so you can have an Erdosh number of how close you are to having collaborated with him. And those two aren't exceptions. It's possible to be rational, logical, task-focused, introverted, relationship misanthropes, and still have the benefits of great relationships. I remember going to, my dad is one of these. He's a high C, high D. Um, and I remember going to work with him and walking down corridors, and he literally greeted every person. And I'm like, do you know everybody? He says, yes. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it, when I knew him at home, he doesn't say anything for yeah, like four yeah, hours exactly. at a time. And there he was. <laughs> No, high five social butterfly. But yeah, exactly. So it can be done. And um, in the book, Ferrazzi says the individuals who know the right people for the right reasons and utilize the power of these relationships are the people that get ahead. And the secret, if there is one, is following the rules. So let's start with the rules. All right. Rule one: Be generous and accept generosity. Anyone who's generous with Uh, money, belongings, time, expertise, we'll have people that like them. Actually, Wendy, you and I uh, months ago recorded the podcast uh, Favor Economy. Yes. Right? If you give a man on the street $100, he'll probably agree to be your friend. Right? That's not what the rule means. That is, we do encourage you to be strategic. That is, be, be generous in a strategic way. Think about um, what you can do, how you can add value to another person or other individuals um, to help make them successful. Don't lose sight of your own self-interest um, and just hand them cash and saying, hey, let's have great relationships. That will work technically. But instead, we're talking about things uh, more along the lines of if they need assistance uh, with a resource, putting them in contact or connecting with them with a resource that that they need, that you might be aware of and they aren't, um, of showing them, uh, for example, a website or a, a computer program that you know will assist them in their work or achieving their goals, volunteering to help them with things like a resume review, right? getting prepared for an interview that they have coming up, mock interviews with them, uh, listening to them explain an idea, um, saying supportive things, that was really good, um, adding value, things like, you might want to consider this, or why don't you try it that way? Checking in on them. You know, if they have a goal or they have something in mind, um, follow up. So how did it go? Right? Did it work out? Did the presentation you delivered go well? Right? Were they engaged? Things like that. Again, introducing them to people, um, telling other individuals about something exciting that they're working on, right? Just spreading the word of those exciting products or projects, providing reviews of online services they might have, adding value, doing things for them that they're incapable of doing, providing advice, all those kinds of things you can do to help them. That's the be generous part, right? And and when you have a list like that, it's easy if you start to think of specific people, it's easy to think of specific things that you could do to help that person. But the second part of this rule is less obvious 
And when I said a lot of people who do this naturally don't know that they're doing it, this is one part that they don't know they're doing. So the second part is to allow people to help you. And a lot of us are independent, able to look after ourselves, don't need help. It's a badge of adulthood that I don't need my mother to help me. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true and it's short-sighted. So we'll give you an example to kind of illustrate this. So think about moving or if you're in England, moving house. I don't know why they don't say moving house in America, but they don't. They just say moving. Um, It's a classic friend task, right? Friends help, friends move. So let's imagine your friend moves and you help, right? You go over to his house, you help pack boxes, or you help put back boxes on the truck, or you help put together furniture, whatever whatever is needed, you help. Um, And you have been generous. So you've fulfilled the first part of this rule. You have been generous. And then you have to move. And when it comes to your moving day, you don't ask or don't accept your friend's help. And you don't need help, so you don't ask for help. And that makes sense, right? I don't need someone to help me move. I just pay people to help me move. I don't need, exactly. need someone That's to That's what be those here. of us that follow straight lines do. <laughs> right. So, and in my, in my mind, if it were me, I'd be like, well, why would I make my friend come over and have a hot, sweaty day, you know, moving boxes for me? It's, it's no, like, I'm, I'm being nice. I'm saving him the effort. Yeah. I'm doing it as a gift. Right. But if you think about it from your friend's point of view, he accepted your help and now he owes you one. And when it comes to paying you back, you prevented him from doing so. In other words, you got to be generous, but you're stopping someone else from being generous. And he he's still hanging out there. And now when you think about it, was it the best thing to do to not accept the help? Right? No, because you're cutting off the friendship, the relationship. You are Mm -hmm. preventing it from from being equal. Um, And there's a little bit of it of, you know, well, I helped you because you need it and you can't help me because I'm better than you and I don't need it. Now, that's probably not what most people are thinking. That's how I don't think so. Yeah. But it comes across that way. Exactly. So not needing help and not getting help are two different things. And you don't have to need help to get help. So let other people help you and allow them to feel good about themselves in the same way that you feel good when you help your friends. Absolutely. On to rule number two then, Wendy. Be where the people are. Um, Now, if you really want to build relationships and trust us, you do, then you have to be where the people are that you want to meet. Sounds obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, though, you can meet people online. You can develop relationships there. That absolutely exists in today's world. It's not anywhere near the same as meeting face-to-face, though. While many people talk about the difference in quality of communication, they say something like, I want to say 70% of communication or something, um, is body language. There's something additional to the fact that you're losing um, extra cues, I want to say, that a lot of people miss. It's not the primary communication that matters. It's the uh, interstitial communication, the the between-the-meeting kinds of um, circumstances that's really where the relationship building happens. 
So when you go to a meeting, there's the primary purpose of making a decision, learning something new, sharing status, resolving a problem, whatever that is. But in between, before and after the meeting, when somebody is setting up their slides, when papers are being distributed, there's a little chat that happens then. And that's the important thing about relationship building. It's it's the, you know, somebody's putting their slides together and they're struggling with PowerPoint and they say, Microsoft updated this again, so annoying. And you say, yeah, you know what? I find that annoying too. And and it's like the smallest piece of communication, but it's it's making a connection. You and me are the same because we're both frustrated with Microsoft. If you work for Microsoft, I'm really sorry that that was my I example. Apologize, Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll cover <laughs> some more companies. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or, you know, somebody takes the coffee and says, I can't believe this coffee is burnt again. Or, you know, it's those kind of like tiny connections. Or you look at someone... Um, and they have a new notebook, and you're like, oh, what kind of notebook is oh, that? I like that. Yeah. We both connect notebooks. Great. How does it work with fountain pens? Um, it's those tiny pieces of communication that nobody thinks of and nobody counts that actually really count. Absolutely. And so if you are on a call or sending an email or even on a video chat, those moments often don't happen. And that's the reason why the relationships built that way are poorer, not necessarily because of the whole body language thing and, you know, all that stuff. It's because you never have those moments. And it is possible to have those moments. You have to think about it first. You do. So often Friday mornings, we have an ops call. All of us are on it. I often um, log on at like 8.15. We don't start till 8.30. For two reasons. One, I'm still bustling around getting myself together and getting coffee. And so if I don't log on when I think about it, it will be 8.40 and Mark will be texting me, why aren't you on this call? Why aren't you here? Because <laughs> I'll miss the time. But the other reason is if I get there first, then, you know, somebody comes on and they're five minutes early or they're 10 minutes early. We've got time to chat like, oh, look, yeah. you, you changed your wallpaper or, oh, I like that top or um oh gosh, I need more coffee this morning. And I get to have those little little moments with the team. Uh, so joining calls early, joining meetings early, um, calling instead of sending an email, chatting sometimes works. It depends on your IM culture. Uh, but make time to ask people about their weekend, their kids, the projects they're working on that you're not part of. All the kind of things you do in person, do those things when you're remote. Absolutely. It's totally possible to build relationships when you're remote. You just have to be more purposeful about it. That is, if there's anybody on the planet Earth that could tell you that building distant relationships is possible, it's Wendy and I. We've worked together now for, I want to say, five years, Wendy. Both of us would consider ourselves to not be people persons. Mm -hmm. And in the five years we've worked together, we have never met. So we're the, I want to say we are are pretty much the authority on building relationships at a distance, right? And having to be purposeful about it because all we have as communication methods are phone, email, video. That's really all we've got. So concentrating on those in-between moments um, 
When you start a call, call in early. Ask people about their weekend, their kids, projects they're working on. And not only that, but those individuals um, that is that we're talking to today, probably um, less um, good at remembering personal information. Don't just chat with somebody about it. Then jot it down somewhere. Ooh, this individual is moving so that I can follow up on. So how did the move go? Like, how was it? How was how was this project? You said you were working on it and you were kind of stressed about that presentation. What's that about? How is that going? All the kinds of things you do in person. People see people who are really personable or really able to do this naturally. And they think that writing stuff down is cheating. Or they think that that you either have it or you don't have it. And to, to find tricks is cheating. It's not cheating at all. If you're the kind of person who can't remember details, then taking notes about details isn't cheating. If you're the kind of person that can't spell, using spell check is not cheating. If you're the kind of person like me who can't do math, then using Excel is not <laughs> cheating. If you're the kind of person that doesn't remember particular details about people, including me, mm-hmm. then writing it down isn't writing cheating. Writing isn't cheating. It's helping you mitigate your weaknesses. Exactly. However, now, to make um, it easy to build relationships, especially with the kind of people you admire, in many cases, to be clear, it does mean you've got to leave your house and do it. So, for example, things like going to conferences, um, an education session that's local. I know um, in many places they're they're starting to do like local um, TED Talks mm-hmm. of a sort. In Edmonton, we have Ed Talks. Um, things like that, where like-minded individuals are going to a, a venue similarly. And many of those small events are free. Right? They're in coffee shops or they're in just like really informal kinds of locations. So going to local events where you can meet people um, in person and build or increase that network of people that you know, absolutely helpful. Now, I do know, though, as someone that's at conferences every single week, that um, going to a place with complete strangers initially is tricky. So if you are looking for a few conversation starters, you could try things like, um, you know what, I'm really looking forward to hearing this guy talk. Have you ever heard him before? You don't have to make it known to the entire group, but chatting like in a one-to-one scenario with the person sitting directly beside you, super low risk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or things like, um, this is a good one for me. I see you taking notes on your iPad. Can you tell me what it is you're using as a software? I've been looking forever for a good app that will collect my notes. Um, or if you've seen them again, right? I saw you in this session. What did you think of the session earlier? Mm-hmm. Right? Things like that as it's wrapping up or ending. Um, there's other sessions if it could be um, a larger conference. Um, multiple sessions. Have you decided between this session and the other this afternoon? I can't decide. What are your thoughts? Right? Talking to individuals about the things they're interested in. And as Wendy mentioned earlier, the coffee. Is this <laughs> coffee strong to you? Or is it just me? It could be me. I was going to say about the, have you decided between this and this session this afternoon? Other people love giving people advice. <laughs> Asking for people's advice. Actually, that, that's a recurring theme in a lot of these. But asking for other people's advice is a really good way to start a conversation. And people love to tell you their advice. So that's a really good one. And you don't have to take it. No, you don't have to. You just should ask for it. Right. There's a a really, yeah. Oh, my favorite is I'll consider that. 
I've considered it, and I've disagreed. But I'll right. consider yeah, I that. I'll consider that. Well, thank you. People think I consider that means I'm going to do that. It doesn't. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this cast. 